You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. You ready to be fed by Ravens? I am. Here is what the Ravens have gathered for us today. We are in Genesis chapter 27 through 30. Through 30, and we are on day 13 and 14. Of your reading, great. Let's get right into it. We are dealing with Isaac and now his adult sons, mm-hmm. Esau and Jacob. And right. uh, as we all know, the blessing goes to the firstborn child. And so uh, Isaac is planning on blessing Esau, his firstborn, also mm-hmm. his favorite, because he is a manly man. He goes out and he hunts and he smells like the earth. Sounds like my kind of guy. Whereas <laughs> Jacob is, uh, is uh, I want to say... Uh, Rachel, Rebecca's, Rebecca's, right. he, Jacob's a mama's boy. Mm-hmm. He's good with his brain, a little bit sneaky. He reminds me more of you, Matt. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no problem. Uh, which one of us is the Eagle Scout? You. Oh, okay. Oh, good. I'll, I'll be Jacob because Jacob is the child of the promise. You're right. I'll take the promise. You there you go. The cursed earth. All right. Um, so that's a little high level biblical humor. So what we're doing here is going through how Isaac accidentally and very sneakily blesses Jacob. And so uh, essentially there was a bad deal that went down for Esau where he exchanged, he despised his birthright Mm -hmm. and Jacob desperately wanted that birthright. And remember, he's the second child by seconds, like, like moments. He was holding on to Esau's heel as they came out. So even from birth, he was trying to get first place because first place means inheritance. It means the name, it means the land, it means the wealth. And so Isaac desperately is using um, all of his, not Isaac, I'm sorry, Jacob is using all his power to get that. And Esau doesn't seem to care. He's pretty comfortable in his position as the firstborn. And so uh, Isaac says, hey, Esau, I want to bless you. Why don't you go out, kill something, and then I'm going to officially, you're a man now, and I'm going to give you the blessing. And this is a blessing that is not just like, at you, bless you, or, you know what, bless your heart. I promise one day to give you my things. This is like with all the authority of Isaac and Abraham and God who has spoken to both. Mm -hmm. So Esau gets excited. He's like, sweet dad. Um, He's holding on to his little secret about the exchange of the birthright for the the, uh, soup. Goes out. Meanwhile, sweet uh, Rebecca has been listening and says, hey, sneaky Jacob, It's time. It's time for what, Mom? It's time to go get the blessing. Um, I will give you some goats, and I will. uh, You provide this offering and this meal to take in to your your blind father Isaac, and Mm -hmm. pretend to be Esau. And Jacob says what we'd all say: "Uh, "That's crazy, Mom, because if he finds (laughs) out, he'll kill me." And Rebecca, having remembered the promise of God, says, "I will take the curse if you get caught doing this." I'll totally take the curse because in my back pocket, I'll remind your great dad that the promise was the blessing would be to the younger. Mm -hmm. The older would serve the younger. So she kind of has this in her back pocket, encourages her son to go trick him, and he does it. Mm -hmm. He dresses up. um, He puts on goat hair. He rubs like the earth on himself. Wears Esau's clothes. Yeah. So uh, And and Isaac kind of knows something's going on because he says – is this my son Esau? And Jacob yeah. has to lie and say, yes, this is Esau. Because obviously they sound different. They sound different. He goes, well, you sound like my other son. And he touches him. 
And he feels goat hair on mm-hmm. Jacob's arm and says, well, this must be uh, Esau. So Esau was one redheaded, hairy dude. Right. A redheaded <laughs> monster. It's just so great. Like, from the beginning, the gingers are amazing people, even though maybe not carriers of the promise. Right. And now I'm not speaking um, factually. Okay. It's all right. But, uh, so what goes down is Isaac blesses Jacob. Jacob gets the blessing as soon as he gets it. And it's a beautiful blessing. Uh, The blessing goes... May God give you of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth, the plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations. There's that word nations again. Since the beginning, mm-hmm. God has been interested in all nations. All nations will bow down to you. Be Lord. You'll be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. So this is the blessing Isaac gives to Jacob. Esau comes back and immediately... He's like, Dad, what's going on? Because uh, Isaac's like, uh-oh. Yeah, Isaac realizes his mistake, and it gets super angry. But the interesting part is, I think most of us like would, in this, cer- in this circumstance, we have this idea of blessings and be like, oh, we can take it back, or we can give the same blessing to the same son. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I was tricked. It didn't mean anything because it wasn't from a pure place. Right. But we see Isaac take his words seriously and the blessing seriously. And he cannot retract the blessing that he has given. It, it is as much as like a physical gift. His words yes. spoken over Jacob, he cannot retract those words. He has no other blessing for Esau. And there's a phrase we use in theology, performative word. It performs. So when God speaks, things happen. And when God puts his word on his people, mm-hmm. this word of blessing, Isaac understands the word of blessing that I put on you, it is already on you now. It, it performs because it's of God. It's a real thing. And, and we know the word became flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus Christ. It's the performing word of God. And so even here he says, Esau, I can't take it back. Mm-hmm. But he does give... He gives Esau a kind of a blessing, but it's also actually more of a curse. Yeah, he says, you'll also have the fatness of the earth. No, no, no. He says, behold, you will be away from the fatness of the earth, shall be your dwelling, away from the dew of heaven on high. By the sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. Oh, gee. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Wow. So, like most people, I kind of glossed over that and read it wrong. So Esau is pretty much cursed. Yes, Esau. And he did admit, he's like, Dad, I have to admit something. I kind of sold my birthright. Mm -hmm. And Isaac's like, oh. Yeah. Oy vey. (laughs) And so, uh, but from this point, here's where the story turns. But it becomes very familiar. We have a similar storyline. Esau hated Jacob and was going to kill him because Jacob carried the blessing Mm -hmm. (laughs) of God. The blessing of God. And now Esau carries the curse of enmity, right? Mm -hmm. Enmity versus the promise, the thing that happened between Cain and Abel. And now it's being, it was carried through Ishmael and Isaac. Mm -hmm. And now it's through Esau and Jacob. There are very, very um, concise camps. Mm -hmm. There's two lines. And so as a result, Rebecca says, my sweet baby Jacob, you got to get out of here. Right. Esau's going to kill you. He's going to kill you. So run away. Run down to my brother. You know, he's only 700 miles. 
<laughs> uh, although, yeah. So go to Laban, my brother. We've had dealings with him before. That's where I lived. Mm-hmm. When Isaac found me, go back down there. Tell him you're related, and they'll take care of you. And so... Uh, and then she, she uh, sells it to Isaac by saying, uh, I don't want my baby boy marrying these Hittite women, like our oldest son. And it is... It was said in previous chapters that the Hittite women were making Isaac and Rebecca's lives miserable. Yeah. So Isaac's like, okay, send them away to your family. Right. So what we see here is two boys working out, uh, trying to work out, getting the promise in their own strength. Mm-hmm. One despises it and is comfortable in his apathy. The other one is trying to desperately grab it on his own. Mm-hmm. Both are wrong, but neither can overwhelm the promise of God. Right. So... Chapter 28, Isaac goes down, uh, meets up with... So Isaac is now on his way to Laban. Oh, that's right. And what we see here, though, at first I thought I read previous chapters wrong, but what it looks like is Laban was previously in Ur when Abraham's servant went to go meet him for Rebekah. Right. But now he is in Haran, which is where Abraham's father died. So he's at like a midway point. So it seems like Laban, after hearing the wealth and blessing of God on Abraham, has moved to Haran. And so now he's a little closer than he was before. And so Jacob is now on his way to Laban. Oh, but before he goes, I do want to say this. That Isaac gives a little speech to Jacob. And, yes. And yes, Esau hears it and tries to do it in his own strength. Right. So It's pretty funny, actually. Basically, Isaac says, here is how to be the people of the promise. Don't take a wife from Canaanites. Boom. Go down to your mother's father and take a wife from there. Boom. God will bless you and you will be fruitful and multiply you. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) He'll give you the blessing of Abraham to your offspring that you may take possession of it. Boom. That's how you are a person of the promise. And it's just like Abraham. You believe God and it's counted to you as righteousness. Mm -hmm. So Jacob has to believe that now he's running away from his brother. Running away from the land. Running away from the land. And somehow he's going to find a wife, be fruitful and multiply, come back to the land, and it'll all work out. So it's total belief on Jacob. Meanwhile, Esau listens because Esau was hoping Isaac would die and he could just kill his brother. Right. And so Esau says, I want to be a child of the promise. And so in his own strength, he goes and it says Esau went to Ishmael. Like as if he doesn't, he's never really listened to the stories of his father about Ishmael. (laughs) Right. He goes to Ishmael and took as his wife um, some of Ishmael's daughters. Right. So Esau tries to go, I'm a child of the promise by marrying Ishmael's daughters, totally missing the point, totally missing everything and making a mess of it. Now Jacob is on his way. Yes. And there's a famous, um, a famous event happens. Jacob's ladder is what it's called. So Mm -hmm. this is chapter 28 verses 10 and following. Jacob has a dream. Yeah. So about kind of midway between, uh, where he was and going on to Haran, he settles down and he has this dream Mm -hmm. and he sees this ladder between earth and heaven and angels ascending and descending this ladder. Yeah. And it's it's this amazing scene. And then in this scene, God, the voice of God speaks to Jacob as he's seeing this and God himself reaffirms the blessing that Isaac just gave to him and passes down the blessing. He says the same thing that he said to Abraham, Isaac, and now he's saying it to Jacob. 
It says, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families on earth be blessed. You hear that? Yeah. All nations will be blessed. Behold, and this is the promise of God's presence, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. Boom. That is straight from the mouth of God to Jacob. So now you have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all having an encounter where God personally shows up and makes this promise. Mm -hmm. And so Jacob awoke and he did it in a dream. He awakes from this dream and he says, the Lord is in this place. How awesome is this place? And he names it. He makes his like first altar, right? Right. And remember, Abraham's mm -hmm. making altars. Isaac made altars. Isaac made altars. These are places where heaven and earth touch. Right. This is where you gather to worship. Mm -hmm. This is a church. Right. And so he calls this place Bethel, which is house of God, or this is stairway to heaven, man. Mm -hmm. This is where God comes down and goes up, angels descending and ascending. And by the way, Matt, this is what happens at church every Sunday. God descends to us in his word, in his Lord's Supper, in baptism, and we ascend to him through these means of grace, and we are assured of his promises. So that is why it is an ancient, ancient response to God's promise and to his people that we gather around his word. This is the house of God, and that's what church is, the house of God, Bethel. And so uh, right away, Jacob is encouraged and blessed. And later in the New Testament, you'll see Christ descending to us and even having visions or saying, you know, the angels are descending mm -hmm. and ascending um, on me. On me. And Christ is the word and sacrament. He is our ladder to heaven. And uh, I just love that God does this. Okay, so now we get down to... Um, Chapter 29, Jacob gets to Haran. Uh, we have this interesting scene where we find out that Jacob was crazy strong. Uh, he has immense strength. He has a similar scene that the servant had with uh, Rebecca, his mom. And so Jacob goes uh, to a, a well where the shepherds are, and he sees this gorgeous woman come near him, finds out that she's the daughter of his uncle, he moves a stone that takes all the shepherds, like of all the flocks, like it takes a bunch of them to move this stone off this well to protect it. But Jacob just does he it on does his it, own. I think he does it because he sees what the Bible describes as a shepherdess. <laughs> Rachel is like Xena, yeah. princess warrior on her steed. She rides up probably glowing with, she's beautiful. Her right. eyes are beautiful. And she's the shepherdess. And Jacob's like, I know my way around a well, and he's like, and shows off to her. This is the classic ritual, right. mating ritual for all humans. <laughs> and so um, he wins her favor and then goes back and deals with Laban. And what I've noticed in all this is the generational sin, really from Cain and Abel through Noah, the jealousy and the deception, you cannot run from it. So Jacob, the deceiver, he's fresh off a, a deception. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, he's had some time to think about it on his way there. Yeah. 700 miles later, mm -hmm. uh, roughly. Yeah. And uh, But Laban is in the family and immediately is trying to deceive him because he says, I will give you, you know, work seven years. He works for him seven years. Yeah. All to get this beautiful shepherdess, Rachel. Right. He finally gets her. He's fulfilling the promise and Laban pulls the old family uh, generational sin deception, which is, you know what? I'm recognizing that Abraham and his descendants are blessed. I want to be a part of that. 
Right. So instead of combining ourselves through one marriage, let's do two. Right. And so he gives his firstborn daughter, Leah, who is described as having weak eyes, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is a Hebrew phrase for she ugly. She is. I don't ever talk like that. But she's just not... Um, she doesn't have the spark of life. She's, not, <laughs> she's a little dead in the eyes. But, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's just a reality we have to deal with. But um, she wasn't pretty, or at least Jacob didn't like her. Jacob did not like her, but Laban is trying to secure a promise, trying to secure part of Abraham's blessing mm-hmm. and Jacob's blessing for himself. So he's like, I'll give you Leah. Sneaks in Leah, and then he's like, well, if you work for me another seven years, wait one week, and I'll give you Rachel. Right. So a week later, he gets Rachel, but he has to work another seven years, being Mm -hmm. tricked into 14 years of labor and blessing. And then, um, sure enough, in the years following, there's the result of deception and doing your own strength. The blessing does not come Mm -hmm. easily. There's no kids being born until uh, they... They're asking for it, and Leah, does Leah have to pray for it? or is the No, no. Okay, so Leah is clearly not loved. Like, Jacob didn't want her, and yeah. so she's stuck in this loveless marriage. And <laughs> From day it, one. And it says that God took, uh, had mercy on her and opened up her womb. That's it. And so Leah actually has children pretty quickly, and whereas Rachel is in the line of barrenness of Sarah, Rebecca, and now Rachel's also barren. Right. Um, which seems to be a family trait. And here's how sad this marriage is. Leah has her first child. She names him Reuben, which means, see, a son. Now I will be loved. Like she's trying to earn the love of her husband. Mm-hmm. Doesn't get it. Second son's name is Simeon, which means, I've been heard by God. God has heard my prayer. Mm-hmm. I've had a second son. Now I'll be loved. Nope. She has a third son named Levi, which means attached. Now I will be attached to my husband, Jacob. Nope. By her fourth child, she names Judah, and she just praises God. She says, uh, now I think maybe she's over the Jacob thing. I don't think she is. I think she's just saying, praise God, I have four daughters mm-hmm. or four sons, and uh, the wife that he actually loves has none. Mm-hmm. Well, then we get to chapter 30, and it's a continuation of the, the kid situation here. And Rachel is so blindly jealous. She's mm-hmm. like, sure, I have the thing you want, Leah, but you have the thing I want, right. which is children. I'm useless. I might as well be dead. She goes, give me children or I will die, Jacob. And yeah. the Lord, um, and oh, Jacob says, am I God? Right. Like, what's going on? So it's nice to see that these fights that happen in our marriages happened way back then, too. Yeah. So then, again, her solution to have kids is, well, take my handmaid. <laughs> See the generational uh, curses, the yeah. continuance of we solve our own problems. This Here's is what, my handmaid. This is what Sarah did. So now Rachel's doing a similar solution to a similar problem. Just change the names instead of Hagar. And now it's Bilhah. Now Bilhah. But Bilhah has some kids for him. Yeah. Uh, and then Rachel sees it as a personal victory. She even says um, something along the lines of, I have wrestled with well, she has Dan first, which is God heard and judged me. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And It's like a judgment. She, she Yeah. It's kind of not good. Well, yeah, she's trying to be like, oh, good, I'm having kids. Yeah. And, and then Bilhah has a, a second son, and she says, with mighty wrestlings or with wrestlings of God, I've wrestled with my sister and have prevailed and named that son Nephtali. So we are at six kids for Jacob. And all six of these kids have names, four of which are like 
can I get the love of Jacob? And the other two are, I'm better than my sister. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, then Leah, in, then the response is, Leah says, cool. Oh, we're, we're giving servants over for this? And uh-huh. we're counting as ours? Cool. Here's Zilpah. She gives Zilpah her handmaiden to uh, Jacob. And Zilpah has two children, Gad, which means good fortune has come. So Leah's feeling good. Look, mm-hmm. I'm even fertile through my servant girl. And Asher, happy. Mm-hmm. So Leah's last two babies um, through her servant are good fortune and happy. Mm-hmm. And now we're at eight children. But then there's this scene where Rachel is trying to do everything she can. She sees uh, the firstborn of Leah, Reuben. She says, Reuben, I notice you have mandrakes, mm-hmm. which are known kind of aphrodisiac fertility things. Because they're still all mixed up in idolatry and all the things of that culture. So like these mandrakes will help her have babies. Yes, and I, think. I yes, that is what she's doing. And I do want to make a special note of this. She's stealing these from Reuben. Reuben's like 12, 13 at this point, <laughs> and she's stealing yeah. them from Reuben. I want to make a point in this because this will come back into play later. Because oh. she's stealing from Leah's son. Not cool, Rachel. And, and Reuben does something later on to get back at it. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Um, and so what happens is they make a deal. Reuben says... Or, yeah, so Rachel takes the mandrakes and and, and then says, um, look, Leah, you can be with Jacob tonight because it seems like Jacob is not going with Leah anymore. Right. And so she's basically selling (laughs) Leah into... This is kind of a classic Saved by the Bell scenario. Crazy stuff has happened. Yeah. And so she says, Leah, I'm sorry I stole from your son. You can be with Jacob. Yeah. The next couple nights. Okay. And so as a result, guess what? Leah has more babies. She has Issachar, which means wages or hire. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, look, I was basically hired for this and I'll name my baby wages. <laughs> Issachar. And then she has Zebulun, which means honor. Now I will be honored. I've mm-hmm. given him six boys. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, a list of Dinah. She gives birth to a girl. Now, poor Rachel is going, wow, nothing is working for me. But God does remember her and opens up her womb, and she has her first baby, which is number 11 for Jacob. Yes. Their first one, finally, is named Joseph. May God add, and God has taken away my reproach. So that's the baby situation right now. Baby situation. And during all of this, uh, Jacob is working Laban's land, working his flocks, and he is being wildly successful god is blessing him over and over and laban again he's actively trying to like cheat his way into this blessing so he's constantly changing uh his deal with jacob he changes the the arrangement because jacob's like i think i need to have some of my own stuff so we'll make a deal i will only have the speckled and uh, goats and the black sheep which are the undesirables right and and then that way you can come and see that I'm being fair. But then Laban tries to cheat him and like get removes all the speckled and black sheep. So then Jacob does something kind of what well, it sounds kind of weird and like kind of hocus pocus. And he like does like he has uh, them the sheep mate in front of like speckled sticks to right. produce speckled offspring. But we'll learn a little bit more about where that idea even came from right. in the next chapter. All we know now is Laban is trying to cheat um, Jacob. And Jacob is starting to learn to rely on the Lord yeah. and the promise more than his own deception. He's starting to see himself in Laban and going, you know what? You can only deceive 
you only have to deceive for so long. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to become a person who actually believes the promise. And that would be the theme in chapter 27 through 30, I think, is that the we don't work the blessing. The blessing works us. Mm. Boom. Love it. Well, this is uh, that's the end of our mm-hmm. Old Testament section. I forget to play the music. Old Testament. Now Woo. let's move on to our New Testament reading. Our New Testament reading for today is Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 through chapter 11. All right, picking up with the words of Jesus, we are right in the middle of his ministry and speaking. And so what are we on? Matthew 10, chapter 32. It's the verse 32, finishing up this idea, which is strangely reminiscent of what we just read in the Old Testament. Jesus says, everyone who acknowledges you or acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. Whoever denies me uh, before men, I will deny before my Father. And here's why it's reminiscent. God says, Abraham, uh, Isaac, Jacob, if anyone curses you, I will curse them. If anyone Mm -hmm. blesses you, I will bless them. And Jesus says the same thing to his followers. Like I, And it's an assurance of like, it's basically what we say to our children. Like, I'm with you. If someone messes with you, uh, they are receiving my curse. If right. someone blesses you, they are receiving my blessing. And Jesus is assuring that. And that's why in the following section, he says, uh, don't think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. Mm-hmm. This is really strange because everyone yeah. thinks Jesus is like my homeboy and he's just cool. But that's what I would say. Let's just use the parent lens. Mm-hmm. If you, if Matt, you've hurt the, my feelings, my kids' feelings or made right. them in, feel intimidated, do not think that I've come to visit you because I'm just such a loving, peaceful guy. <laughs> like if I hear that you've messed with my kids, I'm coming to the teacher, I'm coming to the principal, and I'm like, I don't like this teacher. And honestly, I've had those conversations where I was not coming to bring peace. I was coming to bring a sword and to get justice because you have scared my child and that child carries my blessing. You bless that child, I love you. Mm-hmm. You intimidate them, I intimidate you. And it just works that way. Um, and it turns us... At sometimes it'll turn us against each other right. because we're children of the promise or children of en- enmity. Mm-hmm. And Jesus talks about that and he finishes this section with saying, um, so whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So the idea there is that you will not be able to find your life in the means and the ways that you used to think you could. Right. We see this in the Old Testament, like right. in, our, in this reading today in the Old Testament, where they're constantly trying to figure out how to solve their own problems. And this is what Jesus is saying here. You have to give up your old ways of trying to solve your own problems. And I think he's responding too, because he's been healing people and people have been getting a lot of hope going, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. We can have everything we want and be really, we'll be loved for this, right? If I heal somebody, why would anyone hate me? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. We bring healing, but that's going to stir up the promise of enmity. Mm-hmm. We don't know why Cain killed his brother, but you need to know, like, the cost of following me is that it's not always going to bring peace to people. It's going to stir things up and it's going to create them wanting to fight you. And so you might have to, you will have to lose your life. To find it. And uh, what that means is 
just throughout the story, for the sake of Noah, for the sake mm-hmm. of Abraham, for the sake of David, and for the sake of Jesus, I will save everything. For the sake of one righteous person, I will save everything. And I will save you if you can lose your way of doing it and trust my way of doing it, which is Jesus's way. Which transitions us into uh, verse 40, where he says, whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives whom him who sent me. And again, Jesus is just saying, lose your life if you just receive the way i'm doing things Mm -hmm. trust in me and this is going to be your reward you get the things of god and this is the great exchange so like we literally like lose your life gain his it's a great exchange we lose Mm -hmm. the things we love and it's hard but we our belief counts us as righteous so we believe that god has a better version of that relationship than what we could get on our own right and we trust him for it and he keeps his promises. That's the one thing we know. So in this, Jesus is saying, there is an exchange that takes place. It will feel costly, but the reward will be well worth it. Right. There has to be death before there's life. Right. All right. And, and the righteous people will recognize one another and in helping one another. Then chapter 11, this great exchange, it gets into John. I think it's a great question. Right. So John's been imprisoned for... Jesus for the right. things he's been saying and now he's starting to have questions about the way Jesus is doing his ministry and starting to wonder wait is this the one that I was promised yeah he literally <laughs> says uh, he asked Jesus disciples remember John's in jail he's like this yeah. is such a bummer right. I thought my life like all the songs say and now I am happy all the day this is not happy and I have <laughs> declared Jesus to be behold the son of God who takes away the sin of the world and now I'm in jail and so he's just, he's double checking here. But what's interesting, what it reveals to us is that John's idea of Jesus is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. He says, are you the one or is there one that we shall look f- like one coming after you that we should look for another? Mm-hmm. And the reason John says this, it's not said here, but you can gather it from the readings, is that remember John came proclaiming that the Messiah would bring a winnowing fork. He would cut the tree down with an ax, that judgment. And that's what Mm -hmm. baptism is. It's judgment. It's drowning. It's cleansing. And so he announces Jesus as the one who's going to pronounce judgment. And Jesus responds by saying, that's right. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And he ends up saying, I'm going to heal you. He's healing everybody. Mm -hmm. And so John's a little confused. John's in jail and Jesus seems like good cop. Right. Where's bad cop? Like this is out of order. This is weird. And that's when, um, Jesus tells his disciples, go and tell John what you've heard and seen. Mm-hmm. He says, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the, the, the deaf. deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. It's pretty great. Like Jesus says, this is my judgment has been, God's judgment is come to the world to bring healing. Yeah, He wants to save us. And so John's like, listening, I'm listening. Mm-hmm. And then what happens, Matt? Well, and then it's cool because we see this moment of doubt with John, but then Jesus goes and addresses to the crowd that probably just heard John's disciples say, ask these questions. And he, and he then asks the crowd, who did you go see when you went to the wilderness to see John? Did you right. see someone who was weak, who a bending reed, who was swaying mm-hmm. with the wind? And he re-identifies who John really is, which is a very sweet Thing, merciful yeah. thing for Jesus to do. And he then identifies John is the prophet that 
the other prophets foretold that he was the he was the messenger that will prepare the way. He is Elijah. He is Elijah. Yeah, he says that. And Jesus also says, you know, there's arisen no one greater than John. Mm-hmm. He's the last great prophet. But then Jesus says, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Right. And that's it. Can be tricky, but John is the greatest Old Testament prophet. Correct. But all of us who have come after Jesus. It says any of us after Jesus is greater than the Old Testament prophet. Why? Because we are under the reign and rule of God in the flesh. So like anybody under the reign of Christ is already in a better position and more blessed than anyone who came before. Yeah, that's... And so that's why he says that. And then he says, uh, unfortunately, he, Jesus highlights the reality of that. This exchange for those who... And, and he uses children... Children can receive this exchange and recognize their dependence. But Christ identifies who he is. He identifies who John is. And then he says, um, look, John, John was accused of, of being um, too, too somber, too serious. He, did, yeah. he, he fasted. He did not drink. And they accused him of having demons. Right. And then the Son of Man came and they accused him of eating and drinking. And they said, look at him. He's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors. And there's this great line by Jesus, wisdom is justified by her deeds, Mm -hmm. which translates... Or wisdom is justified by all her children. All her children. So Jesus says, don't worry what they call you. Mm -hmm. Don't worry they call you a demon, John. Don't worry that they call me. I know it's confusing and it's easy to doubt, but look at our children. Mm -hmm. People are being raised from the dead. People are coming to me because of you, John. So you take comfort by the children that have been born from your wisdom and the wisdom of God. And then Jesus turns on a somber note and says, uh, woe to the unrepentant cities. He, he actually takes modern day cities and says, it is worse for you. And here's why it's worse for you. Because cities like Sodom and Gomorrah, again, mm-hmm. Jesus references Sodom and Gomorrah, and cities like Nineveh. Um, well, let's just use Sodom and Gomorrah. He doesn't say Nineveh here, does he? No. Um, if they had seen one of the works of Jesus, they would have repented. And yet you are seeing the miracles, you're hearing the words, you're seeing the fulfillment, and you are still rejecting Jesus. I tell you, it is more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Because you cannot exchange your way of doing things, and you refuse to believe when God is literally in your face. Yeah, There is nothing left for you, you just don't believe. And that's the judgment that Christ is bringing. And so Jesus is immediately saying, look, John, you're right. I am bringing judgment. Because these people will not receive my works. Because, But here's how I'm bringing the judgment. Yeah, my works. I'm going to hold you up in and through the judgment. And that's why right after this judgment, one of the sweetest things is said is that uh, no one knows the Father except these, these little children. Um, and then he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is where Jesus says, I've come to bring judgment, but before the judgment comes, I've come to shelter you. I'm going to Mm -hmm. take the judgment for you. So take my yoke, yoke up to me. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, Matt, earlier, the law. Yeah, the rabbis compared, he uses this language because this is the language the rabbis would use about the law. And they would call it a yoke. And it would be a heavy yoke. And so Jesus is saying, I will wear that one. You wear mine. And the yoke is what they'd use on the oxen Mm -hmm. to plow the fields. And so we get the yoke of Christ because he bears the judgment. Mm -hmm. We have seen and believed. And once again, 
we get this great exchange. We can breathe easy and find life because we are not trusting in what we can build to withstand the judgment of God. We are trusting in Christ. And that yoke is easy and his burden is light because his burden is to love God and love each other. Mm-hmm. That's the exchange. Nothing can be so simple and so life-giving, yet so far away from the person who rejects Christ. Tough stuff, but beautiful for those of us who believe. Our psalm reading will be Psalm chapter 9, verse 1 through 12. So one of the things I want to have you guys keep in mind is something I've started to do is when we read the scripture, we are engaging the very words of God. And the psalms lend themselves as not only songs, but as prayer. And one of the things I've started to do is actually when I read one of the psalm readings for the day, I use it as a prayer or a starting point for my prayers for that day. And so we're going to read parts of Psalm 9, and it's going to be as a prayer. Yeah, read it, Matt. All right. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. The Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice, and he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. God bless the reading of your word today. Bless it and write it on our hearts. Bless your people, the people of promise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And uh, I would say, I think we'll start ending all of our podcasts this way. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Mm -hmm.